So good to see you here this morning. What a blessing to be able to worship with you this morning. Isn't God good? I mean, He's good. He is so good. And it's such a blessing to come and, and just proclaim His goodness together as a church family. And, and uh, what a blessing you are. And uh, it's in this Christmas season, may we continue to come back to what this is all about. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him, not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't God good? Man, he's so good. Well, this question I can ask you, and you don't have to raise your hands, or, but just it's to cause you to think about it. How many of you like to be alone? How many of you don't like to be alone? Do you like it? Do you not like it? How many of you say there's a balance? <laughs> There's a balance. Yeah, we need we need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and so for me, I, I really like being alone. But then I also like to be around people. And, and it kind of is how you're wired if you're an introvert or an extrovert or extreme introvert or extreme extro- extrovert as to how much peopling you can do until you need to get away. Because <laughs> uh, there's there's times like, all right, I've peopled enough now. It's time for me to go to the woods. And they and. Even Christy will say, you know, she can see me getting antsy sometimes. She's like, you need to go kill something, don't you? Yeah, baby. <laughs> something, it's something needs to die. <laughs> Sacrifice it for the Lord, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but, but that, that, that line of balance uh, is, is in different places for different people. Let, I'm going to, I didn't do this earlier. I'm going to try it, see if it'll work. So, it's not directly in the middle for hardly anybody. But if we were to say, I want to I balance this thing out, I don't know which end's heavier. It's not. It's even. So that won't work. All right. Forget that illustration. So <laughs> let's say for you, you're an extrovert and you need a lot of people time. Well, th- then maybe your alone time is heavy for you. And so sometimes people are just, they're just so much extrovert that they, they don't really like alone time. And so, so the, the balance point is further one way than it is the other. That makes sense. For some of us, I, I need more alone time. I need more alone time than I need people time. I mean, it's not that I don't like y'all, but I don't like y'all that much. <laughs> just kidding. But, but we need, we need that uh, time just to, to be away. But Every one of us, no matter how extroverted you are, how much you like people time, every one of us need to practice solitude. You need to have alone time with God. We've been covering each week different disciplines that will help us to go deeper with God. And the first was simplicity. We need to order our lives towards simplicity. And that if our life is too complex, it becomes too chaotic. It becomes too confusing. And, and if, it, if it's that chaotic, then we won't spend that time going into the depths with God and allowing him to go into the depths of who we are. So we need to order our lives towards simplicity. In the second week, we talked about silence. And in the world that is so loud and all the noise and the chaos and all of that craziness, sometimes we need to silence our surroundings in order to silence our soul. We need to, we need to get away, just turn off the noise. Turn off the TV, the radio, uh, just get away and just get quiet so that we can actually hear the Lord. Because if we got all the noise going on, we're not hearing him. 
And now he can speak over it, but he doesn't normally do it that way. And he can speak through it. But how if your soul is not quieted, how are you going to hear him? And so we need to quiet our soul. And so finally today, we're going to talk about solitude and that I need to get alone with the Lord. Jesus taught this early in his ministry. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, he was teaching his disciples how that they might walk out this Christian life and, and really walk with the Lord. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. The secret place. I want you to remember that. We're going we're gonna to talk about the secret place again here in a little bit. But he says, the, the Father who sees you in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, Jesus is coming along, and he is using a, uh, a, a title. Uh, it's not the best word for it, but uh, he is referring to God as Father. In the Old Testament, you don't see that. And they, all, they almost had a contractual relationship with God. They had the law. And so therefore they said, if we abide by the law, then we're good with God. And if things don't go our way, then someone's broken the law. And they had this contractual relationship. I'm going to tell you, many Christians today have the same kind of relationship. It's lacking in the deep love relationship that God wants to have with them. They just said, we've signed the deal. He's saved me and, and we're going to get along like that. And that's not the way he saved you, why he saved you for. There's three reasons that I've just thought about that. Uh, I, there's probably more, but there's reasons why uh, we don't like solitude. We don't want to get alone with God. Number one, we don't like God. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't love him. But there are, there are couples who are in a relationship that they love each other. They just don't like each other. They're in a contractual relationship in which they agreed to take care of one another through rich or poor, through, you know what I'm talking about? And yet, they don't spend time together because, well, they say, well, we, you know, we're just different. We don't have, you know, the same likes and interests and all that kind of stuff. If they were to be honest, they say just, we don't like each other. Well, I love her, but I just don't, you know, like to hang out. That's not cool. <laughs> That's not a marriage, but it's a contract. They're in the contract together. They signed the license, and, and that's kind of how their relationship is with each other. And some people, that's their relationship with God. Well, uh, you know, I prayed a prayer and got dunked in the tank. He has to save me. And he's going to take me to heaven when I die, and, you know, it's the contract. Well, God is not into contractual relationships. He's into love relationships. Amen. And the love relationships. So some reason, some people, uh, a reason that some people don't want to get alone with God uh, is because uh, they just don't like him. And the reason you wouldn't like God is because you don't know him the way he really is. Your flesh has convinced you that he's one way. That he's harsh and hard and strict. And he's a disciplinarian. And you better walk the line. Or he is going to slap you down. So why would you want to hang out with someone like that? Why would you? Well, your own flesh or the, the devil has resonated with your flesh and has convinced you that way. But that's not who he is. Amen. When you really get to know him, you know that's not who he is. That's not how he is. Number two reason why we don't like to get along with God is we don't like ourselves. And when it gets too still and too quiet, I had to deal with me. I had to go into the depths of how I am, not just who I am, but how I am. And, and how I am is often uh, the, the actions often come from the wounds of my past or the voids. And stuff that I haven't dealt with that I would just, number three reason, just rather not deal with them. 
I'm spiritually lazy. Spiritually lazy. It's easier to ignore that stuff than to get alone and quiet with God because I'm afraid he's going to point that stuff out and say, deal with it. And if I just stay busy enough, keep things loud enough. And, and, and again, this contractual salvation, uh, here's what a contractual Christian will do. It's all about church membership. It's all about church attendance. If I can come corporately worship, then I feel like I've done my, do- my duty. And, 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 and duty is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and so many will highlight the corporate part, and it is important but this is where when we in our solitude have gotten along with God and have that love relationship come celebrate that. That's what this is for. To come celebrate the personal relationships we have with God. So now that I've already got you all messed up and, and uh, rubbed you wrong, we're going to continue to go forward. Jesus didn't just teach it. Remember, he said, the father who sees in the secret place, get alone in the secret place with your father. Let's just keep reading. Verse 6, I'm going to go over again. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. You're not going to talk him into doing what you need him to do. But look at what verse 8 says. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So if Jesus is saying, I want you to get in a secret place and pray to your Father, by the way, He already knows what you're going to pray for. Well, why in the world do I need to go in the secret place then? Why do I need to even pray? It's because in the secret place is where God and us have that relationship, that solitude. That is where we really grow in our relationship with the Lord. That is where we become deeper. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, God already knows your needs. But what you really need is to be in the secret place with God. Amen? Amen. He said, you can take your, 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 the needs that you think you have to God. But the need that you really have is to be with God. That's good right there. I, thought, I tell you what, if I was down there and you was up here, I'd have amen you. <laughs> amen. That's good. That was good. So let's just keep going. Uh, Jesus didn't just teach it. He practiced it. And in Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by, foot, by boat to a deserted place. By himself. You might pick up a pattern. Uh, if we look at um, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, amen? amen. Some of y'all said, Oh, me. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you get up way before daylight to spend time with God? I do. I do. Is it something that I have to do or he's going to be mad at me? Absolutely not. I just wake up before daylight, and that's my secret place. That's my quiet time. That's before everybody else gets up. I want to talk to him before I talk to her, because if I talk to her before I talk to him, I might be uh, talking out of my flesh and get myself in trouble. I need to get my spirit right before I talk to anybody else. And then I want to feast on his word before I put anything in my mouth. This is just a practice that I do to put him first. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that's just my practice. I'm not saying that, that, that that's how you need to do it, but here's how Jesus did it. And uh, if Jesus did it, I think that's pretty good. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. There he prayed. If we flip over, I'm just going kind of front to back in the scriptures. And Matthew or Mark chapter 6, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He even needed, he even needed them. Y'all go on. <laughs> he needed, y'all go on. Why? Because he needed to be by himself. Verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. We keep going. And uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Amen. How how. How, how much do you do it? Often. How often is often? As often as you need it. As often as you need it. And I need it often. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now in our Christian walks, we have a lot to deal with, don't we? We have a lot of uh, stuff to do in our world, in our lives, in our family, in our jobs, in our schools, in our whatever. And those often become the excuses of why we don't spend time with God. And they should be the excuse of why I need to spend time with God. Jesus' day was about to get crazy. It was going to be very busy, a lot of ministry, a lot of needs to be met. And so he said, I can't go, go do all of that without spending the whole night with the Lord. Mm. So we need to, we need to practice what Jesus practiced. We need to do what he did in Luke chapter 9, verse 18. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. So he taught it, he modeled it, and then he let them see it. How important this was to him. And, and, and let me just ask you, if the sinless son of God needs solitude with the heavenly father, how much do we? Think on it. This is, this is the God in the flesh. And he said, I need to get away. I need to spend time in prayer with the Father. If he needed it, how much more do I need it? How much more? And I can just tell you, so much more. Well, there are the reasons that we don't do it. And, and I kind of pointed those out. We, the only reason you wouldn't like God is because your flesh has resonated with the, the lies of the enemy. And, it, you know, there are some things that could have contributed to that. Maybe bad teaching, uh, maybe religion, maybe experiences that you have associated with God. Maybe you had a harsh disciplinarian as a father, and now we talk about a heavenly father, so you just take those characteristics and lay them on him, and that's not who he is. Guess how you're going to break off all of those misconceptions of who God is? Get alone with him. That's how you break that off. I remember several years ago. Uh, I, now, again, remember, I had my daily quiet time. Most of it was reading the Bible. I had my checklist, but most of it was reading the Bible. Why? Because I could busy my mind in the word without really having to deal deep with the junk of my heart. So this was I'm just telling you how I did it. And so. That's how I would do it, and, and, and I just kind of go through the motions, and I would, because the preacher told me that I needed to do it, so I did it, and, and it was supposed to help me in my relationship with the Lord, so I'm going to do that, and so I'd have my, my morning quiet time, spend time in the Bible, spend time in prayer. My prayer list looked like a to-do list, 
or a laundry list or a grocery list, what I needed God to do for me. But then I also knew that I needed to get away with him. And so I remember planning this event in which I was going to go and fast for three days in a cabin in the woods. And and I looked like a dog that was coming to get his whooping. And my tail between my legs. I remember the sensation of going out to that cabin feeling like, okay, God, let me have it. Let me have it. And I remember literally getting down on the floor thinking that if I got as, as low emotionally as I could get, then it would justify myself being in his presence. Some of this is so foreign to y'all because you weren't churched growing up. But I was churched growing up. And I got some bad teaching. And then not only that, but I had some uh, personal uh, uh, experiences that lent towards that. And so I, that's how I approached God. If we're going to do business and I knew that I needed to go do business, then that's how I expect. I'm, okay, I'm ready for my whooping. It's like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and you know what I got? Amazing love. Now, I often will say that some of this stuff, it's not going to happen if you just uh, walk down an aisle, pray a prayer, and get up and it's fixed. But for me that day, and there was an encounter with God, I got up and it was fixed. It was fixed. Now, I know that we're on limited time. I, I just tell you that I went, and, and in my experience with the Lord, I brought some of the junk from my past and, and, and the feelings that I had about God. And, and that's how I approached him. And then he brought back my past and showed me his love for me all through my past. And when I got up off that floor, I was a different man. I was a different preacher. I'm going to tell you, this is not like years and years and years ago. I was pastoring this church at that time. And I was a, a guilt preacher. I was a hellfire brimstone condemnation, guilt you down the aisle, whatever I needed to do to bring the condemnation upon you so that you would actually move and make a decision for God. That was my approach. Because that's how I felt on the inside. That if I could get repentant enough, that God would actually do something on my behalf. That's how I felt on the inside. So that's how I went to that cabin that day. But how I left there that day was experiencing the amazing love of God and His grace and His goodness. Amen. Amen. All right, didn't mean to go there, but I did it. Psalm 139, verse 1. Psalm 139 and verse 1. David, I love David. I love David for a lot of reasons, but I, and I really relate to David in a lot of ways. But David was a worshiping warrior. And David had some wounds from his past, and he'd bring them to the Lord. And he would, man, he would just pour it out on, you know, I love people that are good with words. I'm not. You can tell that as I try and talk and stumble over my words. I'm not good with words. But you take somebody like David that's good with words, I'm like, man, I can't say it, but I, I just say, that's it. That's me. <laughs> what he said, that's me. And so here's what David says. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Now, before, those verses would have made me very uncomfortable. I knew them to be true, and therefore I didn't necessarily like this. Let's just keep reading. Verse 4, four. there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. In other words, before I even say it, you already know what I'm saying. I remember as a little boy, 
This is <laughs> stupid. I would, my buddy Stephen, he's probably out there in the hallway right now. He and I, we would learn a new cuss word. <laughs> Couldn't say it. It's a cuss word. So we'd take a stick and we'd draw it on the ground and wipe it out real quick. <laughs> and then I would ask myself, God, did you know I was going to do that? And here's what the scripture says. Yep. <laughs> so I know I'm stupid. Anyway, verse five. You have hedged me behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. In my previous misconception of who God was, if I were to read that verse apart from all the other verses around it, if I were to read that verse apart from the, it would have made me feel very uncomfortable. You have hedged me in behind and before, and your hand is on top of me. In my mind's eye, that would have been, I'm in trouble. And he's got a heavy hand coming down on me to snatch me up by my peasy little head. And I am in trouble. And this is not the context when you read these verses of Scripture. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. David is saying, you have hedged me in. You are in front of me and behind me and now above me with your love. In my, in my previous understanding of God, this is why I avoided solitude. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I am in trouble. In God's mind, he says, you are loved. And you're fixing to find out just how loved you are. <laughs> Thank you, God. David says, verse 5, And you've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. This is why Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 is saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you get. I'm praying that the Lord will turn on the lights in your understanding. That you'll be enlightened to understand how deep, how wide, and how uh, high, and how wide is the love of Christ. Why? Because in your understanding, you can't get it. I can't teach it. I can't preach it. I, I, can't, I can't get a whiteboard and walk, work through it and that you would, oh, okay, now I get it. You can't, you can't grasp it intellectually how much he loves us. It has to be spiritually revealed. And his Holy Spirit reveals to us. And, and, and here's the other thing. We want to rationalize how he got there. Okay, do you see good qualities in me? Is that why you love me? Did I do something right? Is that why? It doesn't have to be a why. It just does. And this is what David said. I can't get it, but I accept it. And so he's praying this prayer. And, and, and so as you see in verses 1 through 6, he's talking about his closeness to God. And now because of his understanding of who God is, he will draw close to God. And when he draws close to God, then he is allowing himself to become vulnerable to God. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Do you trust him? 
You trust God. See, it's a matter of I'm not going to get away with God in solitude and go deeper if I don't trust him. If I'm afraid that he's going to harm me, if I'm afraid he's going to punish me, if I'm afraid he's going to reject me, if I'm afraid he's going to do whatever, then I really don't trust him. And so I will avoid the solitude. I will avoid it. I will, I will do my religious tasks. I will attend church. I will do all of these things to feel like I am a part of the family. And yet I really don't want to spend time with the Father. Now, here's the things that I'm going to miss if I avoid solitude. And that my excuse number one is, well, I really don't trust God, if I were to be honest. I don't really like God, if I were to be honest. Because I feel like I'm in trouble with God always, if I were to be honest. Here's what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the joy and fulfillment of knowing God. I'm going to miss it. And that's really what you were saved for. Not just to get you to heaven. It is for the joy and fulfillment of knowing Him. Of knowing God. Here's what else I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the peace of His healing and forgiveness. I'm going to miss it. Well, I, I just go and go through my religious tasks and my duties and, and church attendance and my, my quiet time. I'm going to have my list of what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, then maybe he's okay with me. Well, you're not. Because what you're really supposed to do is get alone with God in the secret place. Allow him to search out your soul. And to heal those areas of old wounds and those old voids that he needs to fill. And allow him to do that deep work so that you can go deeper with God. So I'm going to miss it if I avoid it. And here's the third thing I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss serenity. <laughs> if I just avoid the secret place, the quiet time, if I avoid those things, I'm going to miss the serenity. of Because no, remember, number one, I don't like God. Number two, I don't like me. And number three, I don't want to deal with my junk. If I then finally take my junk to the Lord, guess what? He going to clean it up. And instead of me continually for the rest of my life tripping over my baggage, he's going to say, let's heal that. Let's forgive that. Let's get that behind you instead of in front of you. And let's move forward. And I will not experience that serenity if I don't go to the secret place. I want to uh, look in Psalm 91. Psalm 91 there may, be, there may be very few days in my life that I don't quote in my mind Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is known as the soldier psalm. Uh, it, it talks about being in danger. There's a lot about it. The Lord uh, brought it before me uh, in 2019, and I preached a series, I taught a series on it on Wednesday night. And it was actually, I didn't know it then, but the Lord was preparing us for 2020 when COVID came. And Psalm 91 is such a powerful psalm that when I wake up in the middle of the night and, I, and I'm trying to quiet this mind, I want to, instead of emptying my mind, I want to fill it with his word because then his peace comes in. And Psalm 91 has some promises, but it starts with a premise. And I want you to just see the powerful verse number one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place of the Most High. So all of the things, all of the stuff that follows in the remaining, remaining verses are because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Secret place. It doesn't matter what, 
what your secret place looks like, just have one. Set aside a place at a time that you're going to be with God. It's just the two of you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him do I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will, he will cover you with His feathers. And He was, ah, I messed that up. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings shall you take refuge. His truth will be your shield and buckler. Amen? He said, this is, God is... He, He's got me hedged in front and behind, and his hand is on me. Is that judgment? No, it's love. And so in this Psalm 91, he says, who dwells in the secret place. That's where it starts, and then all of this other follows. And it says, you will not fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you receive, shall you see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is the most high, even my dwelling place, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. He will keep his he will give his angels charge over you. He will keep you in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will trample on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample under your feet. Spiritual warfare. Amen. And then we go into God talking. Because he has set his love on me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on, on high because he has known my name. He will call to me in trouble and I will answer him. I will be with him and I will deliver him and honor him. And with a long life I will satisfy him and show him my great salvation. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's what he'll do. But where did it start? In the secret place. That's what he'll do. He, he'll quiet my soul, but I need to fix my surroundings. That's what he'll do. But if I'm just going through religious duties, through a, a spiritual acts of service, the Bible tells us a spiritual act of service is coming before him and surrendering to him. And so I need to practice, number one, ordering my life towards simplicity. Number two, surrounding with silence. Because if I can't get silent around me, then I can't get silence within me. And then that solitude, I need to get along with God. I need to get along with God. I used to do something as a kid. It was stupid and dangerous. And uh, I'm looking around to see what age group's in this room. It's the next room that I have to worry about. <laughs> and uh, it was stupid and dangerous because I was stupid and dangerous. And we would take our bows, which were not the kind of bow that I have today because this would not work today. But we'd take our bows and we'd stretch them back and shoot an arrow straight up into the air and see where, how high we could get it where it would land be out in the pasture that's so fun till you lose sight of the arrow you don't know where that thing's coming down but, but, but we just do this kind of stupid stuff and again if i were to do it with my compound bow today and launch that thing straight up there i would lose sight and then who knows if you know i might come to church with air stuck out the top of my head <laughs> and so interesting thing about this the scripture says that as arrows in the hand of the archer, so are children to a father. And our heavenly father intends to use us in this kingdom work. And, and, and you, know who, you know who goes the highest? Those who get to go the deepest. 
Those who will surrender for him to pulling us down into the depths. It's going to require tension. It's going to require stretching. It's going to require pressure. It's going to have some pulling. But those who says, yes, Lord, I'll submit to your hand. You can take me deeper. Well, if he takes me deeper, he's going to send me higher. There are those who have done great things for the kingdom of God. And I guarantee you, every one of you, you, you line them all up together and every one of them, there will be a, a common denominator. Those are the ones who went deeper with him in the secret place. He, he wants to use us for great kingdom things. But those who go deeper are the ones who go farther. Those who go higher and those who will be used in greater capacity than those who resist the solitude. I hope that you're one who says, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Uh, search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And see, that's the stuff that the lazy person doesn't want to deal with. They say, I don't want you to, I don't want you to search me. I don't want to see the wicked ways in me because then I have to do something with it. And so the lazy person won't go to the deep places with God. But the one who wants to go further with God says, here I am. Here I am. I can trust you. But this might hurt a little bit, but you ain't going to harm me. I'm going to be better afterwards. I want to go to the Lord with communion, reminding ourselves of all that Jesus did and all that he still does. Amen. He didn't just teach it. He modeled it. And he reminds us, you need to spend time alone with God. As we take communion, it is a reminder of solitude. It is a reminder of the Old Testament temple in which the priest would spend time in the presence of the Lord alone. In fact, the whole Christmas story starts in the book of Luke with a man in solitude. His name was Zechariah, and he was in the temple spending time alone with God when God showed up and said, I'm going to give you a son. That son is going to be the, the, the predecessor of the Messiah. He's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. Just a regular guy who chose to spend time alone with God. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Zechariah. It took some stretching took some discomfort but he said yes and from him came a son who said yes and the next part of the story was a young girl and I just in my mind's eye I just know she was spending time alone with you when that angel showed up he said I got a task for you she said yes and that young man he's been an alone time with you God when an angel showed up said this is going to be socially awkward people are going to think that you married an adulteress you're going to raise a son that's not your own came out of the solitude he said yes Then you came, Jesus, and you taught it, you modeled it, and you continue to do the work because you meet us in the secret place. Thank you, Lord. 
better than we thought you were. We love you. Thank you that what we can't do in our own flesh, you do. And by taking of this bread, we remind ourselves by putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the things that we can't possibly accomplish, you accomplish in us. By faith, we trust you and we say yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in that great name we pray. Amen. As we take of the cup, remind the scriptures where it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That you did what you chose to do so that we could have salvation. Didn't it totally selfless? did it for us and your motive was love thank you Lord we love you too in Jesus name we pray